the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And, you know, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment because I actually have three law degrees. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of these great uh, master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law that's located in the beautiful city of San Francisco, California. Now, because of my training, my experiences, my lifelong interest in business and finance and wealth creation and wealth transfer and the roles that these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, also do debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And As I've shared with you before, I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I also sometimes have the opportunity to seek out and at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who, as more and more of us fall off this other side of the earth into seniorship, we find ourselves not only the targets, but sometimes, unfortunately, also the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that's aimed at separating us from the finances and whatever legal wherewithal we've gained after a lifelong effort of trying to be a good citizen, raise income, take care of our children and our families and be a good corporate citizen or individual citizen. So I don't like those guys who attempt to pull the wool over seniors' eyes. At any rate, I'm coming to you again today from my continued voluntary lockdown from my makeshift studios in my home in another great world-class California city, that is to say the beautiful city of Oakland. And I come to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again preface my remarks by asking you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice and I'm not developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least a overall outline of some of the key issues that may be helpful to you as you seek out and find qualified legal and or financial professional help. Uh, 
you know, especially since you might have issues, that's a combination of the two. And I do this because, as I'm known for saying, I believe representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one concerning your finances, is like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And that means that if you're lucky and your adversary is napping, you might be able to sneak up on her, get real close, and you might be able to scratch her on the arm with your butter knife or even poke her in the eye. But more than likely, you're the one that's going to be dead on arrival. And what I mean by that is that your valid claims against your adversary and your righteous defenses that might shield you from your adversary will likely see the promised land way before you do. So once again, I'm going to share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably in these unfortunate and very trying times, the lack thereof in your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your businesses, financial health, wealth and money related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. So. Today, we're going to continue discussing what, in my opinion, are the three key business contract-related COVID-19 economic survival tactics small business owners need to at least consider in general, but also consider making a part of their long-term strategy to keep their businesses afloat until we get past this pandemic or at least get it under control, because as you can see, it is not under control. So once again, in sum, the three things I think all businesses need to at least learn about and have a working knowledge of are, one, the contours of your commercial lease. And you do that so you can uncover clues on how you might be able to defend yourself in the face of an eviction from your commercial leasehold after your business has been shut down by governmental mandate or at least be able to identify some of the key issues you will need in order to possibly negotiate a reduction in or maybe even suspension of your rental payments via some kind of forbearance agreement for the term of the shutdown. Second, you need to really know about the contours of your business interruption policy, your general business policy. I don't care what it's called. It might be your business policy that it might have a clause. It might have a rider about business interruption. But you need to review it for clues on how you might be able to challenge your insurer for denying a business interruption claim. You know, in that context, please note that earlier this month, in fact, on January the 15th, 2021, the Supreme Court in the United Kingdom, in a test case that was bought by its financial conduct authority, that is to say, the British Banking and Insurance Regulatory Body, the uh, it's FCA versus eight of the most prominent insurers serving the British insurance uh, consumer found, for the most part, for the Financial Conduct Authority on behalf of the British Business Insured. 
and that the insurers over there must pay the COVID-19 related business interruption claims. And they're mandated to re-examine and reassess claims that they might have already denied. Now, this is crucial. You know, we're not in Great Britain. We're in the United States of America. But that is some very telling uh, uh, evidence that we might be able, we being American lawyers, we being American insurance policyholders, might be able to use to address some of our issues. Because here in the United States, there's been mixed uh, findings of, of American courts, mostly against insurers and for the insurance industry. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit uh, in, in greater detail on our next show, but I just wanted to bring bring that up right now. So again, uh, that's that's for next week. So after we look at our commercial lease and we look at our business insurance policy, the third thing that we need to do is consider the pros and cons of filing for bankruptcy in order to possibly gain access to again a neutral arena, a neutral forum. Uh, with a United States constitutionally mandated bent towards the goal of reclamation of the financial lives of honest but unfortunate debtors, such as they can obtain a fresh economic start, or the financial rehabilitation of a distressed business, such that it can continue to employ people and pay taxes and be good citizens in our communities. Now, this neutral form provided by the bankruptcy court can also be used by a debtor to deal with any negative issues discovered by that business owner upon her review of her commercial lease or her insurance contract. And it also uh, predicates or allows them to look at any other pre-existing event in their overall creditor, debtor-creditor relationship with all of their creditors. So over the course of the last several weeks, we've discussed the first two tactics in great detail. That is to say, reading and rereading our commercial lease and our business insurance contract until they become so familiar that we can basically cite them from memory. Last week, we began to dig a little bit deeper into the third tactic. That is to say, you need to consult with a knowledgeable knowledgeable bankruptcy attorney to discuss the pros and cons of filing for bankruptcy in order to obtain the protection of the United States Bankruptcy Court. Again, a federal court in equity, while the owner tries to either save her business through reorganization or shut it down permanently through an orderly court-supervised liquidation and then get on with her life by starting a new business or getting a job or both. Now, I make this suggestion, as I've shared with you before, because a business owner should know that one of the bankruptcy court's most powerful business rehabilitation tools used in a reorganization case, that is to say a chapter 12 for a farmer or a fisher person, a 13 for a sole proprietor with limited amount of debt, or a Chapter 11 for a sole proprietor or anybody, including a family in general with a large amount of debt or a business uh, uh, establishment that is an artificial person, a corporation or an LLC, for example, or the new Chapter 5 for businesses of a certain size with an expedited process geared towards saving money for the debtor. Uh, the, the most powerful rehabilitative tool, again, is the court's ability to rewrite and modify existing contracts between debtors and creditors. 
And as such, with the right advocacy, sufficient evidence, a debtor may be able to convince a bankruptcy judge to modify the terms or even rewrite or even reject or even allow her to reassign her commercial lease uh, with a landlord or compel her insurer to make good on the terms of her business insurance policy. And again, I think these are awesome powers. So when we come back, we'll continue today's important discussion, the three tactics all small business owners need to at least consider in part or in whole as part of their strategic plan to try to save their business that's been shut down by governmental mandate due to COVID-19 by looking at the bankruptcy court as a potential safe harbor to sort out their business contractual relationships. But first, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue today's important topic. The third of the three business tactics I think all small business owners need to at least consider as part of their strategic plan to try to save their businesses that have been shut down due to governmental mandate by COVID-19 by looking at the bankruptcy court as a potential safe harbor to sort out their business contractual relationships. Okay? So the last time we talked about bankruptcy, we discussed what bankruptcy is. In essence, bankruptcy is a legal procedure that can be used by individuals, companies, and governmental units, as opposed to states, because states, because of our federalist system, states are on par with the feds, but units of states can file for bankruptcy upon the approval of the uh, legislative body and the sign-off of the governor. So that's why cities across the country have successfully filed for bankruptcy and been uh, rehabilitated, some of them at least. Okay, that is to say, and, and what these individuals, companies, and governmental units have in common is they are insolvent. So insolvent is an important word to understand. That is when one or more of these individuals, companies, and governmental units owe more money um, than they own in their fair, the fair market value of their total asset base. Or that's one definition of insolvency. It's a balance sheet definition. You line up all of your assets and you line up all of your liabilities. And if the liabilities win, you're insolvent. Another way to attest for insolvency is that you're not able to pay your debts as they come due. And it doesn't matter, um, the balance sheet insolvency. You just can't pay your debts. might be that you recently got laid off or the business recently got shut down by government and it's not doesn't have any income. It might own millions of dollars worth of assets, but it can't. It's not liquid. Okay. So bankruptcy allows an insolvent debtor to be released from all or part of her debts. However, bankruptcies can also be used by individuals, companies, and governmental units who may on paper be solvent, but they lack the liquidity to pay their debts as they come due. In the case of a solvent debtor, they simply might need time to gain liquidity by selling off their assets. And the bankruptcy court may or may not give them uh, the time to liquidate an asset and, and still maintain the going concern nature of their business. Now, regardless of what caused the, the distress, 
in, in such cases, bankruptcy provides a remedy that is spelled out in Article One, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, which grants to the United States Congress at the mandate to issue uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcy all across the country. And those uniform laws are currently manifest in the United States Bankruptcy Code, the Federal Rules of Bankruptcy Procedures, and again, uh, along with the appropriate federal and state codes or the statutes and the relevant case law. So now we're going to turn to why bankruptcy is important. Now, in an excellent article written by Harley Hahn of the Harley Hahn Center for Money and Economics entitled, What is Bankruptcy and Why Bankruptcy is Important and Necessary to an Economy? And you can find his article at harley.com. In it, Mr. Hahn states, when a debt is eliminated as part of a bankruptcy process, the debt is discharged. Once a debt has been discharged, the debtor is relieved of the obligations to pay creditors. And the creditors are prohibited by law from taking any further action to recover on the debt. In this way, an individual can continue to live her life free from the burden of oppressive debt. And this is often referred to in in the parlance as a fresh start. Similarly, a company can stay in business while reorganizing itself around more a more favorable debt structure some of his her debt might be eliminated crammed down to the fair market value of the assets that's what to me is so exciting about bankruptcy there's all these tools and machinations that a knowledgeable bankruptcy attorney can use to assist her client in trying to deal with her debt and then getting back into mr hunt's uh, essay he says, similarly, a company can stay in business while reorganizing its, uh, itself around more favorable debt structure. And a government, and I think he means a governmental unit, can return to providing essential services to its citizens. Now, a chance to discharge a debt legally is a unique and crucial part of our economic system, according to Mr. Hahn. To understand why, we only need to consider the alternative. That is, let's say, consider what happened to debtors who were unable to pay their debt before bankruptcy was invented. He goes on to say that before bankruptcy, debtors who could not meet their obligations were subject to severe penalties. For example, in the ancient Greek city-states and in the early Roman Empire, a person who could not pay her debts could be forced to become a slave of her creditor. This is called debt bondage. A thousand years later, the treatment of debtors was still harsh. For example, in England, the first of the facial laws regarding insolvency was passed in 1542 during the reign of Henry VIII. This is someone talking. You know, the dude with all the wives who lost their heads over him. Ha ha. Back to Mr. Hahn's essays. These laws treated insolvent debtors as criminals with penalties such as imprisonment or even death. In even more modern times, well into the 1800s, people who were unable to pay their debts could still be imprisoned. They were sent to debtor's prison, where they would be confined, often in brutal and inhumane manners. As, for example, in the 19th century England, a debtor 
could be accused by any of his creditors. And once this happened, the debtor would be given a short time to raise the money to pay the debt. And if the money was not forthcoming, the debtor would be in prison until the debt was paid. Now, if you were if you're a fan uh, like I am, uh, you know, British literature around that time, uh, you may uh, know of the novels written by Charles Dickens. And you may remember that several of his characters were sent to debtor's prison, including Mr. Pickwick in the Pickwick Papers that was published in 1836, Macabre uh, and, and David Copperfield that was published in 1849, and William Durrett in Little Durrett that was published in 1855. And some of you might not realize that, but in fact, in 1824, when Charles Dickens was just 12 years old, his own father was sent to debtor's prison. Now, in the United States, federal imprisonment for unpaid debts was abolished in 1833. And around that same time, most of the United States, individual states, abolished the practice as well. However, in England, Imprisonment for debt was not abolished until 1869. That's four years after the close of the Civil War here in the United States. By the late 1860s, the attitude towards indebtedness was beginning to change generally. For a long time, it had been recognized, and for two very important reasons, that a better system was needed to deal with individual debtors. The first reason was that imprisoning debtors or forcing them into involuntary servitude is an extremely severe punishment. Now, for centuries, such punishment was considered appropriate because defaulting on one's debt was considered to be a serious moral failing. In modern times, however, it began, began to be recognized that it is common for people to acquire overwhelming debt because of circumstances that are beyond their control. For example, I've shared with you my own opinion. The divorce rate in the United States is very high, and when one family unit is now spread over two or three, there sometimes just is not enough income, even if everybody's working, to satisfy the needs. And again, it might be because there was an illness uh, in the family and it wasn't covered. The treatment wasn't covered by insurance. So society has started to realize that sometimes acquiring overwhelming debt is beyond the immediate control of the debtor. And in such cases, it's more appropriate to offer a compassionate solution to the problem. An even more important reason for avoiding involuntary servitude or imprisonment for debtors is based on a practical observation. Again, I'm getting back into Mr. Hahn's essay. People who cannot work freely are unproductive. When a debtor or debtors are liberated from the burdensome demand of their debt, many of them will once again become useful and productive. And so we all need as many useful and productive people as we could get. This is why in the long run, it's more practical to allow people who are overwhelmed with debt to discharge their debt and get back to work than it is to punish them. Now, to be sure, there will always be those who are dishonest and who will take advantage of the bankruptcy system. However, I believe that um, statistics have shown that in the aggregate, allowing overwhelmed debtors to file for bankruptcy is now recognized as being 
beneficial to our economy, and I might add our society as a whole. Now, with that said, I'm going to leave it there for now. And when we get together next time, I'll take a break uh, for us all to learn about the January 15, 2021 ruling that was handed down by the Supreme Court in the United Kingdom. Again, finding that the business interruption insurance policy held by uh, British insured, they found for them. And, and that means that those folks are going to be able to, to possibly sustain themselves during the rest of this pandemic. So we in America need to know about it because there might be a way for us to use that uh, here in the United States to protect us from the uh, incorrect decisions of our insurers. And I'll just leave it at that. And then after we share that next week, we'll get back to our discussion, looking at some of the procedural aspects of filing for bankruptcy. But as always in closing, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when the law provides a way for us to legally and ethically keep our businesses afloat so we can take care of our families and our employees during this terrible pandemic until most of us get vaccinated against COVID-19. So till next time, please mask up, keep your social distance and wash your hands. See you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.